What is going on, everybody? Welcome to Hitting It With Dak. I am your host till the end of time. Dak, I hope everybody's having a great week. I hope that you are living your damn dreams. I hope that um, you are taking life by the horns and riding that bull all the way to death because that, that's the ultimate destination. That's where we're all going. So, I mean, it doesn't really matter what you end up doing because we're all going to die. Okay, this got really dark. It's got morbid. I'm sorry. I'm usually more positive. Um, but it's hot. It's so hot here in Iowa, man. I am sweating my ass off. It is so hot that I went to the store and I actually went to Quick Star and I got a take and bake pizza. And uh, by the time I got home, it was ready to eat. Um, that's a joke, but uh, you get it's hot, okay? It's like it's like in the high 90s. Um, the temperature is uh, basically the San Francisco 49ers uh, really peaking in the 90s. So uh, hopefully next week we can get out of San Francisco 49er temperatures because the 90s is not where it's at. All right? It is too damn hot. Uh, last week we talked about human zoos, um, ethnological ex exhibitions uh, where people of the colored variety is colored racist. Maybe I shouldn't use the word colored. Um, people of non-white skin tone were paraded around and put in exhibits um, just because they were a little bit different. Um, so that was last week's episode. If you have not checked it out, I highly recommend it. Um, we've done some really good, interesting topics so far here in the podcast whether it be um, Japanese Experimental Unit 731, um, Human Zoos, Chris Benoit, Chris Farley, Little Peep, uh, Hollow Earth. I think I literally just named every single episode we've done. <laughs> that was a little too specific. I'm like, we've done a couple pretty cool ones, like, and then I just said every single topic. At least we're not in like episode 100 of the podcast, and I'm like, you know, we've done some pretty cool topics, and then I just list 99 things that I thought were pretty cool. Um, but no, I'm really enjoying doing this podcast for y'all. Um, I plan on doing this podcast for a very long time. It's something I look forward to doing every single week. And uh, doing the research is cool. But recording it, releasing it, posting it to social media, and then uh, ultimately getting people to listen to it and messaging me, telling me, uh, how good the podcast was, how cool the topic was, um, how excited they are for the following week's topic. That is all stuff that uh, gives me uh, serotonin, and uh, I am lacking a lot of that. <laughs> so I need as much. Sarah needs to give me as much of her tonin as she can allow herself to give somebody. Um, this week's topic is a juicy one, and it comes to us. By our main boy, Trayvon, or as I've grown to call him, Alpha. My boy Alpha, he streams on Twitch. Uh, I believe his at for Twitch is Alpha Likes Gaming. And I'm pretty sure Likes is with a Z because we're fucking edgy like that, boy. Um, I messaged him. I'm like, hey, here's my list of things I want to talk about. Pick one, and that'll be next week's topic. 
and he came through with a juicy topic, which is the real life Dracula, the fucking vampire. He's not really a vampire, but the man, the story of Dracula was based off of Vlad the Impaler. This man is an evil fuck. <laughs> and uh, he uh, liked to impale. That's where he gets the name. He liked impaling folks. So uh, we're going to get into his early life, his reign as dictator, leader, king, whatever you want to call him, and ultimately his death. Um, so we're going to do a little biography about our boy. And I hope that you guys stick around and enjoy it. I hope that uh, you guys learn something. Because that's the whole point of this. Is that you guys take some information and uh, you learn from me. So, uh, yeah, strap on them seatbelts. And let's get into Vlad the Impaler. The terrifying true story of Vlad the Impaler. A.K.A. history's real life Dracula. He is responsible for killing 80,000 people. And impaling 20,000 of those people. Vlad Dracula committed some of history's grisliest acts as ruler of 15th century Wallachia. That sounds like a made up country, probably just because I've never heard of it before. But he was the leader of the country of Wallachia during the 15th century. And then in 1897, writer Bram Stoker published the novel Dracula, the classic story of a vampire named Count Dracula who fed on human blood, hunting his victims and killing them in the dead of night. The Count Dracula in the book, which contemporary critics described as the most blood-curdling novel of all time, was Stoker's own creation, but many believe the bloodthirsty villain was partly inspired by Vlad the Impaler, the terrifying ruler of Wallachia, which is in present-day Romania during the mid-1400s. Vlad III, so the, not only, okay, so Vlad the Impaler, the name was so good they used it three times. <laughs> Vlad, Vlad III earned his fearsome nickname by impaling more than 20,000 people and killing as many, many as 60,000 others during his bloody reign. He was even said to dine among his impaled enemies and dip his bread in their blood. So this man, he was like, he was so unfazed by death. He saw it so much that he would eat with dead bodies around him. And he's like, man, this bread is dry. <laughs> Ezekiel baked the bread a little too long. It's a little too dry for my taste. So let me just dip it in some bee positive and uh, everything will be good. <laughs> that is, that's, that's dark. Um, while the stories of the real Dracula have surely been embellished over the years, the true history of Ad Vlad the Impaler is far scarier than anything Bram Stoker could dream up. Because the historical record is often spotty when it comes to the story of Vlad the Impaler, we know that we only know that he was born between 1428 and 1431. So we're not necessarily sure when he was born. There's a little window, like a three-year window, where they're like, okay, he was born at this time, somewhere during this time, during an unrest in the country of Wallachia. His mother, the queen, 
came from a Molda Moldavian royal family, and his father was Vlad Vlad the Second, Vlad Dracul the Second. The surname translates to dragon, and was given to Vlad the Second after his induction into a Christian crusading order known as Order of the Dragon. <coughs> that sounds like a that sounds more like a kung fu movie than uh, some kind of Christian uh, crusading group. That sounds like Jackie Chan in the Order of the Dragon. I'm sorry. Um, young Vlad had two brothers, Mirku and Radu. They could, okay. I don't want to live in Wallachia because I'd end up with some stupid ass name. Uh, due to Wallachia's proximity to the warring faction of Christian-ruled Europe and the Muslim-ruled Ottoman Empire, Dracul's territory was a site of constant turmoil. In 1442, the Ottomans called for a diplomatic meeting uh, with the dragon. Uh, wait, with... Oh, he called, they called for a meeting, but Dracul and his two sons were captured and held hostage by the... <coughs> Ottoman dim diplomats instead. Imagine getting captured by a piece of furniture. They go to this meeting and the Ottomans just start moving around. It's like it's like Chucky, but with furniture. No, it, Ottomans was the Ottoman Empire was a country, not not furniture that you put your legs on when you're eating snacks and watching WrestleMania. <laughs> they were held hostage by Ottoman diplomats instead. The captors told him that he would be released, but he had to leave his sons. You can go free, but we want your children. Dracul, believing it was the safest option for his family, agreed. Fortunately <coughs> for Vlad III and his brother, during their time as hostages, the two princes received lessons in science, philosophy, and the art of war. <coughs> Excuse me, I'm just getting over a cold. And, uh, man, cold and some heat makes your boy, makes your boy cough. Uh, so they were captured, and the people who captured them were like, okay, you're in prison, time to learn. <laughs> that is prison, damn it. <coughs> I got captured and went to school, this is some bullshit. Um, they received lessons in science, philosophy, and the art of war. However, things were far worse back home. A coup orchestrated by local warlords known as the Boyar overthrew Dracul. <coughs> so daddy went home and he lost his kingdom. In 1447 he was killed in the swamps behind his home while his oldest son was tortured, blinded, and buried alive. Vlad III was freed soon after his family's death and at this time he be began to use the name Vlad Dracula meaning the son of the dragon. So Jackie Chan is getting a sequel, boy. Right after the order of the dragon, it comes the son of the dragon. When he returned to Wallachia, he transformed into a violent ruler, soon earning his moniker, Vlad the Impaler, in disturbing fashion. In 1448, Vlad returned to Wallachia to take back the throne from Vladislav II, the man who had taken his father's place. Boom! We got we got a, a sequel to a sequel on our hands, folks. 
we had The Order of the Dragon, starring Jackie Chan. Then we had The Son of the Dragon, <laughs> starring Jackie Chan. Now we got The Return of the Motherfucking Dragon. Well, I guess it would be The Return of the Son of the Dragon. Back to take his father's throne. He succeeded, but after just a few months, the deposed Vladislav returned and took back the throne. So they're just trading this shit back and forth like it's the world heavyweight title. <clears throat> they're, they're on a deep feud. We're going to have to end this bad boy in hell in a cell. <clears throat> um, but in 1456, Vlad the Impaler returned with an army and with support from Hungary was able to take the throne from Vladislav for the second time. Legend has it that Vlad personally beheaded his rival Vladislav on the battlefield. And once he was back on his father's throne again, his reign of terror truly began. Some historians believe his family's horrific deaths were what turned Vlad III, a.k.a. Vlad the Impaler, into Vlad Tepes, the original Romanian name for Vlad the Impaler. Some accounts state that Vlad was subjected to beatings and torture during his imprisonment under the Ottoman Furniture Empire, which may also be where he learned the tradition of impaling his enemies. Soon after he took the throne for the second time, Vlad had enemies of his own to deal with. Some in Wallachia considered Vladislav II a better leader, which caused uprisings in villages across the region. The returning monarch knew he had to assert his dominance over the people, so he decided to host a banquet and invite his opposition. So he's like, hey, <laughs> let's throw a party, but invite all the haters. <laughs> let's invite everybody who's got some shit to say. And some shit goes down, my friends. It didn't take long before the festivities turned bloody. Vlad's dissenting guests were stabbed to death and their still twitching bodies were impaled on spikes. So if you don't know what impaling means, this man had spikes. And it would go up the poop chute and as gravity would take hold, your body would slide further and further onto the spike, eventually coming out your throat. Ow! Imagine that be turn you into a Christmas ornament. <laughs> From there, Vlad's violent reputation only continued to grow as he defended his throne and devastated his enemies time and time again via the grisliest methods imaginable. Vlad the Impaler was an undeniably brutal ruler. Nevertheless, much of Christian Europe supported his strong if macabre defense of Wallachia from various incursions from Muslim Ottoman forces. So, so the, the Europeans and the Christians in Europe were like, you know, you are a terrible dude and you are everything that we stand against as Christian men. But you're keeping us safe from those fucking Muslim Ottoman people. So you're good. Everybody here, everybody in this situation is shitty. <laughs> uh, just because you have different religious beliefs does not give you the right to be okay with them being murdered. 
Um, yeah, I, I don't like that. I don't like it at all. In fact, even Pope Pius II expressed admiration for the notoriously violent ruler's military feats. A threat to Europe was deemed a threat to Christendom. Why not Christianity? That's weird that they said Christendom. I've never heard that as a word before. A threat to Europe was deemed a threat to Christendom, a.k.a. Christianity, and therefore a threat against the Pope. Though the real Jack Dracula brought some stability and protection to a vulnerable region, Vlad III was still deemed, seemed to relish in his own brutality. During one of his successful campaigns against the Ottoman Turks in 1462, Vlad wrote the following to one of his allies. This is a quote. This is a quote in a letter by the actual man. I have killed peasants, men and women, old and young, who lived at Ablusitsa and Novoselo. Novoselo, however you say these words. These are some weird town names. He killed men, women, old and young, who lived in unpronounceable locations, where the Danube flows into the sea. We killed 23,884 Turks. Let me take a drink while that number sinks in. 23,884 Turks. Without counting those whom we burned in homes or the Turks whose heads were cut off by our soldiers. So 23,884 is not the official number. There were just people that they could not consider in their numbers because they were so brutally uh, tortured that the number was discernible. Is, is that the right... Is it undiscernible or dis... You know what? I'll just stop trying to use big words. They were not able to be counted. How about that? Um, Thus, your highness, you must know that I have broken the peace. The Turks gave him the nickname Kazaklu Bey, meaning impaling prince. Kazaklu Bey means impaling prince. Interesting. Impalement was no doubt Vlad the Impaler's murder method of choice. During impalement, a wooden or metal pole would be jabbed through the body, starting in either the rectum or the vagina, and would then slowly pierce through the body until it came out of the victim's mouth, shoulder, or neck. Could you imagine that being the way you go out, bro? Could you imagine just... Alright, throw throw his ass on a pole. Put her put her hoo-ha through a spike and we'll see what happens. I'll bet I'll bet five uh, euros that it's gonna come through the shoulder this time. That is awful. Sometimes the pole was rounded so that it would go through the body without puncturing any internal organs, prolonging the victim's torture. In these particularly gruesome cases, it could take hours or even days for the victim to finally die. They were often on public display for everyone to watch. So this man was like, hey, go down to the main square of the town and put a couple spikes. We are going to set a motherfucking example of these damn Ottomans. 
that is <laughs> that's dark. In one case, he impaled the Saxon merchants in Kronstadt, who were once allied with the boyars, his family's killers. Vlad the Impaler used this torturous method to punish and kill anyone who displeased or threatened him, though it wasn't the only way he dispensed his cruelty. At one point, he had the turbans of Ottoman diplomats nailed onto their skulls after they declined to remove them for religious reasons. What? What? So he's just like, you you, you ain't going to take your hat off? You really don't want to take your hat off? I'm going to count to three. And if you still got that motherfucking hat on, I'm nailing that son bitch on. And you're going to have that hat on for the rest of your life. Uh, Vlad the Impaler's appetite for violence often surpassed the bloodlust of his enemies. Sultan Mehmed II, notorious for his own atrocities, was aghast after seeing the decaying corpses of about 23,000 of his own men lined up on stakes for miles. Some say as many as 60 miles in length. Just a wall of impaled bodies. Holy hell. Could you imagine? Your, your uh, military leader's like, alright, we haven't heard from Group B in a while, so we're gonna, we're gonna go scout, scout the area, figure it out. And there's just a 60 mile long train of rectum impaling going on. Um, the 60-mile uh, body train was around the capital of Targovisti when he invaded Wallachia in 1462. This is a quote from Mehmed II. How can we despoil of his estates a man who is not afraid to defend it by such means as these? Deciding that anyone will go to such lengths to save his kingdom deserve to keep it. The Ottoman forces retreated the next day. Stories like this abound, and in total, contemporaneous accounts claim that Vlad, Vlad the Impaler killed 80,000 people during his reign, impaling more than 23,000 of them. But it's difficult to know for sure how many people he truly slaughtered. Yeah, that's just a rough guess. It's just a guesstimation as to how many people this guy is responsible for not only killing, but for the shoving of spikes into body holes. <laughs> Why did I say body holes? What's wrong with me? His bloody reign ended in 1462 when Hungarian forces took him prisoner. The Ottomans had launched a campaign to replace Vlad with his milder brother, Radu. Interred, Vlad went to the Hungarians thinking that they'd help solidify his hold on the throne. So Vlad lost his Vlad lost his throne, and he was like, "Nope, I want it for a third time." Um, but not wanting to risk war with the Ottomans, the Hungar Hungarians had Vlad imprisoned. Almost nothing is known about about Vlad's imprisonment. But in 1476, he was released and married. A woman married this fucking evil monster. Um, could you imagine? Uh, Oh, what do you like to do in your free time? I like to shove spikes up pussies. Now come kiss me. He married Justina Solagiai. I'm going to assume I said that right. A relative of the, of the Hungarian king, Matthias Corvinus, 
who made an arrangement with Vlad to restore him to his throne after Radu had been removed. However, Vlad died in battle alongside the Hungarians, who were now at war with the Ottomans later that same year. According to legend, he suffered the same ill fate as his old rival, Vladislav II. And as the story goes, Vlad the Impaler was beheaded in battle, and his head was paraded back to Constantinople and placed in the hands of his enemy, Sultan Mehmed II, to be displayed over the city's gates. The rest of his remains have never been found. Jesus! <clears throat> Excuse me, let me take a sip of my water. So, he um, basically forced his, tried to force his way back into uh, his throne. The people were like, no, we don't want another war. Let's avoid that. Ended up in a war anyway. He joined the war effort. He was like, damn it, I want to be king. I want to get back to shoving poles in the holes. And uh, ended up getting his head cut off. And being the exact same the exact same thing happened to him as uh, what happened to his old bud, Vladislav. That is insane to me. So now that we talked about our boy, Vlad the Impaler's um, life, his death, his atrocities, how exactly might that affect Bram Stoker to create a fictional character based off Vlad the Impaler creating a vampire? The answer might lie with the gory tales of the bloodthirsty monarch's exploits. According to one legend that we referred to earlier, Vlad the Impaler enjoyed dipping his bread in the blood of his victims, but the authenticity of that account has never been confirmed. In 1820, a book by the British consul to Wallachia, William Wilkinson, which was titled An Account of the Principalities of Wallachia and Moldovia. Um, excuse me, Mr. Will Wilkinson. Willy Will, uh, that's a very long-ass title, um, and I only said half of it. There's more, but I'm not doing all that. Um, it helped popularize the story of the real Dracula across Europe. Stoker read Wilkinson's book, which is likely where he first saw the name Dracula. Regardless of how much he was inspired by Wilkinson's work, Stoker's Dracula took on a life of its own and continues to be one of the most adapted horror stories to this day. The first known motion picture to bring the vampire to the screen was the 1921 Hungarian production Dracula's Death. Ten years later, the American production starring Bela Lugosi became one of the most popular adaptations to date. Dozens upon dozens of movies, television shows, books, and otherwise have followed since. Um, most recently with Netflix's 2020 series Dracula, even transporting the, the centuries-old creature into the social media age. Although Count Dracula and Vlad the Impaler share a few similarities, they share a name and both lived in a towering castle in Eastern Europe and had a taste for blood, there are significant differences between the two. Stoker's Dracula resides in Transylva Transylvania, 
while Vlad the Impaler Neville never lived there. Excuse me while I take a drink. He was born in a region ruled over... He was born in and ruled over the region of Wallachia, which was one of the three principalities that made up Romania at the time, including Transylvania and Moldova. As terrifying as Vlad the Impaler was, there's no hard evidence to suggest that he actually drank blood. However, 15th century pamphlets with titles like The Frightening and Truly Extraordinary World of a Wicked Blood-Drinking Tyrant called Prince Dracula certainly helped enforce that belief. That was a very long title as well. I need a time machine so I can go back to all these uh, dudes in the past um, and be like, look, you need to shorten your titles up a bit, bro. That is a whole tongue twister, and uh, it does not really roll off the tongue very well as a title. Clearly, tales of Vlad the Impaler have been soaked in blood for some 500 years, and while it may be difficult to distinguish fact from fiction about the real Dracula at this point, there's enough evidence to know that Vlad committed some of the most, the most chilling atrocities of his era. That is all the information that I have about our boy Vlad the Impaler. Um, there's really not much you can say about a man with 80,000 bo bodies to his count. 80,000 bodies. Could you imagine? 80,000 bodies. At least 20,000 of those bodies were impaled. Holes put into pole, poles put into holes. I'm sorry. Um, stretched for like 60 miles of just carcasses suffering. Um, yeah. Uh, piece of shit, Mr. Mr. Vlad. Um, I hope I didn't in offend anybody with my uh, talks when it comes to um, Christianity and Muslims, whatever. It kind of just comes with the topic. Um, I hope you guys enjoys you guys enjoyed today's topic. I had a blast making this podcast for y'all. Um yeah, that's all I got. Uh if you guys want to know what today what uh next week's uh topic is going to be, we are going to do and next week next next week is the 10th episode of hitting it with deck, which is it's not a milestone, but it is something, okay? We will be posting our 10th episode next week, and I can't thank you guys enough um, for all the, all the listens, all the support, um, the messages I've received about how good the, the podcasts are. I just want you guys to know how much I appreciate you, and uh, I hope that that comes across with my words. Next week, 10th episode of Hitting It With Deck is going to be Dr. Satan. Now, I know what you're thinking, especially if you're into horror movies, you're thinking of Dr. Satan! No, not, not that Dr. Satan. Not the Dr. Satan from House of a Thousand Corpses. We are talking about a cold-blooded serial killer who um, had 
has one of the craziest stories that I think I've ever uh, heard about. Um, the man is a serial killer, but also somehow a war hero um, back in World War II. Um, it, it's just a really crazy story. You guys are going to have to listen next week. Um, you're not going to want to miss it. I love you guys with all of my goddamn heart. And uh, have a good weekend. I'm posting this close to the weekend, so make sure you have a good weekend. Share with a friend. If you have not left a five-star review on the podcast on Spotify or Apple Music, please do so. Um, I also have the podcast going to Amazon Podcasts and iHeartRadio now. So if you would um, prefer those apps, the podcast will be going to that those um, those apps as well. But like I said, I love you. Thanks for listening. Dr. Satan next week. I'm so excited.